Hey everyone, I'm T. Julie Pinko with Book Circle Online, and today we have a very special guest, Ian Gervitz, and we can't wait to talk to him. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hey everybody, we have Ian Gervitz here. So exciting. He just published Freak Out, the 2016 election and the dawn of the American democalypse. So very exciting. Uh, yes, exciting, disturbing, uh, yeah, all at once. Right, and when I was preparing for this interview, there's there were so many things going on, and then this morning I wake up, Steve Bannon's gone, there's so many things to talk about. Yes. So many uh, things are it's, changing. Uh, it's good that he's gone, get, get an evil presence out of the White House. The thing is, you know, I have a feeling that he and uh, Stephen Miller... Same person. I think they just have a machine in the basement where they suck the vodka out of Steve Bannon. And what's left is Stephen Miller. So, you know, they shapeshift over there. Same person. Exactly. Well, my question is, do you think that that interview was intentional? What? Trump's interview? Uh, No, Steve Bannon's interview. Oh, the one that he did recently? Yes, that got him in trouble. I think he knew he was gone. I think he's just shooting his mouth off. Okay. Uh, Apparently, his resignation letter was already in existence. So... uh, Maybe that's just a shape of things to come. Right. Well, and it's surprising. You, uh, you always think he's he's the guy kind of toying around Trump, but if, if somebody gets a little too much attention, it seems like... Yes, apparently the man doesn't like it if anybody pulls focus from him, so they have to go. Right, exactly. Um, and then what else is going on? Um, all these hate crimes that are going on yes, in Charlottesville. Uh, Charlottesville, yeah, with the, uh, the poor... Alt-right people who were just nobly protesting something were attacked by these vicious people from these, what is it, the alt-left? Mm-hmm. You know, which shows you the sort of the mentality of the guy in charge. He hears one thing, he just makes up something on the opposite and scatters the blame. You know, the uh, blame on all sides. You mm-hmm. know, but then I think he just couldn't take the fact that he had placated some group, so he had to come back out swinging, so he did. Right. Well, and now there's so many hate groups, over 900 hate groups in America. Apparently growing. Maybe it's the latest thing, yes, because they're feeling emboldened Mm -hmm. and empowered as they were during this election. Right. But this is something he's been up to since he started his birth of nonsense. Mm -hmm. Back in 2010, 2011, that was nothing but pure unadulterated racism, and it was a shout-out to those people going, I'm here, pay attention to me. Right, right, which is... Scary. As he said at uh, that hate fest in Cleveland when they had it, I am your voice. Which you know. sounds a lot like Hitler. Well, what's strange is one of the books, I downloaded two books right after the election. One mm-hmm. was Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail, Hunter mm-hmm. Thompson's book about the 72 election. And the other one was The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, which I would read aloud to my son at bedtime just to make sure he slept well. <laughs> and I was reading and reading and I sort of stopped at the point where Hitler had gotten out of prison and was making a speech to his people, sort of renouncing that I'm back. And the phrasing he used was, I alone lead the movement. So it's like, oh, I see where he picked up that little phrase. So apparently Melania wasn't the only one plagiarizing her speeches. Yes. But if, you know, I would say if you're going to crib, crib from the best. Right, right, exactly. So I he, love that he part He went of the right book. to the source. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about halfway through. I'm dying to see how the book ends, you know. Yeah. Sure. Well, so that leads us to Freak Out. Yes. Um, and that's kind of how your, your last few chapters end, kind of talking about that stuff. And so how did you... This is not your first political book. No. I had written a book uh, published in 2016. It took me about five years to write mm-hmm. uh, called Welcome to Dumb Pakistan. Mm-hmm. 
basically, it was that I, what I was watching was the dumbing down of our political dialogue. It started with Sarah Palin, but at least, you know, I was relieved that even though 59 million Americans voted for her, eventually they didn't get in. Right. But this was a phenomenon I saw happening in the country. You know, it was, you could see it when a senator walks onto the floor and holds a snowball as a way to combat climate change. You know, we've, we've reached a level of stupidity that wouldn't have been allowed in political dialogue, but yet it's now been given free reign. Right. And do you, and as a TV writer, what do you think has contributed most? Do you think that, that media, the reality TV surge? Uh, to reality TV didn't help. Uh, the media didn't help when they broadcast his... Uh, rallies live for an hour, no cutaways, no commentary, because I was at home screaming at my television, stop this, cut away, this is not an infomercial, but, you know, it was an infomercial. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, uh, they not only gave him hours of free airtime, but they legitimized what he was doing. Because if it's on MSNBC or if it's on CNN, therefore it can't be as illegitimate as it seems to be. So to me, that was just part of the perfect storm. Right. And Jimmy Fallon, you said in the book played a part you in that. You know, I like Jimmy Fallon. I, he's got an affable personality. I liked what he did on SNL. I liked that he likes music. He does funny song parodies. <laughs> but that moment when he had Trump on and I saw it coming and it's like, I'm going to do the hair thing. It's, no, you can't. You can't humanize this guy no. by just tousling his hair and suddenly you just turned him into this lovable little scamp and mm-hmm. it didn't help. Right. And then the next night, Hillary is on and then didn't fire back the way she no, should have. No, I thought she, had, she missed a beat because Fallon did this bit where he came on with a surgical mask because mm-hmm. she had, uh, had a cold. Mm-hmm. And that was the joke. And what she should have said was, you should have worn the mask last night. Exactly. It would have been a way to take a shot at Trump. And sh- it would have shown that she had some balls. Right. Uh, I think there were a few moments in the campaign where she should have taken this guy on. Right. And could have cut him down, but didn't because... My fear is that Democrats thought and still think that this is a debating society. It's not. It's a right. street fight. Right. And That's in a street it, yeah. fight, anything goes. Right. Um, and, you know, what I feel now is that if you know how dark he went to get power, imagine how dark he's going to go to keep it. Scary. You know, this uh, voter suppression, what is it called? Voter fraud commission? Mm-hmm. Right. Is that a nonsense? This is just... Uh, laying the groundwork for 2018 and 2020 and nothing more. Right. Well, and that's the scary part. And in your book, you also reference um, the Democrats are going to have to get dirtier, you know. Tougher. Tougher. You know, I had this argument with somebody the other day and they're Uh saying, oh, no, they can't be as dirty. It's like you can't uh, you can't just stake out the moral high ground and wait for Americans to come around. You know, you have to show why this guy is too dumb for the presidency, too mm-hmm. evil for the presidency. It's, you know, he demeans the office every day he's there. And you have to prove it not to your own people, but to his people. You have to show them that they've been effectively conned. Right. Well, and, and so many of them are such passionate followers that I don't know if they're catching on yet because I think that they only watch Fox News. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like they are. Not, and, you know, I, I see, you know, He's down to 80% or he's down mm-hmm. to 75% uh, with Republic, of Republican support. I don't care. They're just numbers. I look at what's out there and you take it emotionally. And what happened this last weekend tells you, yeah, this is still happening. People aren't running away from him. What I think Democrats have got to show 
is that, okay, where are the jobs? Right. You know, the economy was improving by the time he got there. The stock market was already up to 19,000. It's not any policies that you can point to that, that say, oh, yes, we're in a massive recovery. Mm-hmm. You need to show people, yeah, where are the factories? Where are the jobs he promised? Where's the prosperity? Well, and it's hard because then when you, you hear him speak, he says that it's all there, you know? You know, it's at tough. one point when uh, unemployment fell under 5%, he was on Fox saying, you know, the truth is it's actually more like 30 or 40 or it's 10,000%. And people are saying, he's just throwing numbers around. Right. The fact that it now went from maybe 4.6 to 4.3, of course, he's taking credit for it because now those numbers mean something. Right. So for anyone paying attention, you just know this guy is inherently full of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this thing during the, uh, during the campaign. Somebody said, what was it? Don't take him literally, but take him seriously. Mm-hmm. I would say, don't take him literally. Do take him seriously, but more than that, take him tactically. Right. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a tactic to accomplish a specific goal. Exactly. Every, everything yes. that they try to skew us away from. You know, I mean, just think of the last few days. Only this guy could make us forget that we were momentarily on the verge of a nuclear war with North Korea. Right. And that he's being investigated by a special counsel for colluding with the Russians during the campaign. Insane. Yeah. So we've momentarily forgotten about that to focus on this. But to me, everything that's going on in the country right now, every single thing, comes out of the dark, I hate to use the word soul, but I'm not sure what else to call it, of one man. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it all comes from this guy. He sets the table. He's hired the people. This is him. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have this cult of personality, like if we get rid of him all as well, well, no, we get, you know, President Pence. Right. You know, and if he goes down, we get President Paul Ryan. So mm-hmm. it's not over yet. Right. And what's a shame is I feel like when Obama was done, we were kind of coming together. Or at least it felt that way. Uh, I think it felt that way, though, again, you see some Republicans now, like Jeff Flake mm-hmm. writes his book, criticizing Trump and uh, criticizing him for his birth or stance. And my attitude is your sense of moral outrage is on a five-year time delay. Right. You know, where were you then? Where were you with your votes then? Republicans just grinned and, you know, looked the other way when all this was going on. When John Boehner said, well, if the president claims to be a Christian, I assume he is, because they got it both ways. They got mm-hmm. to have other people take the hard shots and they could reap the political benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, they just I think they just wanted to get in office again. They just want they just want to keep power. Keep power, which right. they have and now they have all the power and they can't seem to do much with it. Though again, I look at Democrats and it's not quite we beat them on health care. It came down to one man's very iffy vote and it was still mm-hmm. hard to tell which way he was going, but you know, the irony is it took a Republican with cancer to stop Republicans from taking away health care from other Republicans with cancer. Right. You know, because uh, I hate to break it to people, but disease doesn't play favorites along party lines, and neither do insurance companies. Exactly. So, right. you know, this is the world we're living in. We have to find our way through. Right. And so, you know, I think a lot of people credit um, his victory to him being so blunt and no filter. Do you think that, you know, his stint on reality TV, people knew him as a quote-unquote boss as a, a businessman, a successful businessman, but when you look into it, you're like, he didn't pay half the workers to build half the buildings he, he No, he stiffed he his, he stiffed his uh, contractors. He, right, left and you right. You know, he would borrow money, and allegedly, you know, again, I don't know personally, all I know is what people mm-hmm. are saying. Right. And people are saying 
he would borrow money, uh, start a business, and if it went flat, he'd just declare bankruptcy, pay people back nothing or a few cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, what people are saying is that what, that's what sent him to Russia in search of money. And, you know, led to, I think, the problems that he doesn't want to let out right now, mm-hmm. which is that the guy, again, is what people are saying, because I can't accuse him of anything because I really don't know, mm-hmm. you know, but they're saying that he's just a crook and he's been laundering money for the Russians for years and they've got compromise on this guy of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why he's been playing footsie with them the whole time. Right, right. And it's also why he screams the loudest. Again, every time he toilet tweets... Just know it's in reaction to something that got too close. When Comey testified before the House, first time it said, we're going to look anywhere we need to. It was a day or two later, President Obama wiretapped me. Why? So he can change the narrative, change mm-hmm. the story, get people to bite. Because people don't think that he's simply telling a lie. They go, well, there must be, there may be something to it. We've got to investigate this. And all of a sudden you've got people in Congress going, there's no evidence to show. Of course there's not. There never was any evidence. This right. is him just misdirecting. Right, changing the narrative. Changing the narrative, because, you know, the thing is, he not only plays with content, he plays for time. Right, exactly. So, you've got to know the tricks to evaluate what he's doing. Right, exactly. And so, kind of talking about changing the narrative, mm-hmm. um, from someone who knows how to write a great narrative, um, so, Obama's um, most liked tweet the other day, from Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Um, quoting that no one's born hating another person because of the color of their skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate, and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love, for love comes uh, more naturally to to the human heart than its opposite. So my question for you is, how do you think um, TV affects people's perception of, you know, race, hate, stereotypes, and do you feel responsibility uh, yeah, I think TV can have an effect. You know, look at shows like Will and Grace. Right. Which I wasn't a tremendous fan of when it was on, but I look at it now and go, that show had value. Right. It actually put, I think it laid the groundwork for gay marriage because mm-hmm. it put in the minds of people to alleviate their fears. You know, Cosby Show way back when did the same thing. Mm-hmm. TV can have a beneficial effect when, you know, networks get some courage. Right. Um, and so do you feel a responsibility when you're writing? Do you, do you try to incorporate stuff? But you don't want to be too hokey with it, right? You try. You try not to get too sentimental with right. anything. But, you know, I've always liked to try to do shows that reflected the world we live in or reflect some human emotions mm-hmm. when the tendency sometimes, especially in half-hour comedies, can be just to get silly. Right. And so now, um, so after 9-11, the the content on the television changed quite a bit. You know, now there's kind of more crime shows, more people like, you know, just talking more crime, I would say. Yeah. You know, those kind of shows are always popular. Right. Cops, lawyers, doctors, firemen, Uh because they're very safe. Network, you know, one hour shows, procedurals. Mm -hmm. They like them because, you know, the... It's pretty people dealing with serious problems, and damn it, their only problem is they just care so damn much. <laughs> and they're easy. They're very palatable. You right. Know, I don't tend to watch them. You know, mm-hmm. my focus has been more on comedies. Right. And there's so much good TV off network, I can't keep up with it. Right. But network itself, I still think, has to grow up. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that now there's we're getting a lot of stuff coming back. You know, we've got Will and Grace coming back. Yes. We've got, Roseanne. you know, Fuller House, Roseanne. 
Do you think that that's kind of like a comfort food for people? Yeah, it's, well, it may serve as comfort food for people. I think it's comfort food for networks. Right. Because they just don't have to explore very much. Right. <clears throat> you know, and these things have brands. So even if the audience the, who get the brand is cycling out, right. I guess they're still watching it. Exactly. Well, and it probably makes them feel like a little bit like the world is not as crazy as it is because there's so much stuff going on. It's kind of nice to go home and watch Will and Grace. That's yeah, a, a yeah, comfort you know, thing. Everybody needs escape, right. however you get it. And especially mm-hmm. these days, you know, escape is at premium, however you find it. Right. Uh, so I get the impulse. I just think, you know, I wish network comedies would just grow up. And, you know, right. when, when Norman Lear did All in the Family and when Larry Galbart did MASH, both were on CBS, and they came out of a climate of the, mo- the silliest television. You know, My Mother the, my mother the Car, Mr. Red, Beverly <laughs> Hillbillies, Green Acres, which, right. you know, some people get sentimental for those old shows, and I grew up with them, so I get it. Uh-huh. But to think what he accomplished by changing the tone and raising the intelligence of network TV... And we've regressed. Right. Right. Well, and, but but also at the same time, you see so many projects like, you know, Vince Gilligan and Breaking Bad and... Um, cable. Right. All cable. Right. You know, or Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, wherever. Mm-hmm. That's where you can stretch these days. I wish, right. you know, they still reach a relatively smaller audience. Mm-hmm. Network TV still reaches a larger audience. And I wish they'd just embrace reality and go for it. Right. But I've been in rooms and pitched stuff, and you can see people, oh, it's, it's too dark, it's too mean, it's too nasty, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's where it's going? <coughs> that everybody's going to be at? Because, I mean, look at Shonda Rhimes <clears throat> leaving ABC for Netflix, which is yes. huge. I can't believe they shit that's happening. You know, I'm sure she, whether it's money or the ability to stretch right. creatively, mm-hmm. you know, that's where you can do your best work. Right. Do you think your career would have been different if in this climate? If you would have started now, uh, I don't know. You know, you start you you start working, and if you're lucky, you get to call it a career. Otherwise, of you course. just call it a, a sequence of jobs, and one you go from one to the other. Uh, I'm not sure how I would have started yeah. these days. Well, and I wish, and I started reading, which you guys should read too. Um, Hello, lied the agent is another book um, that Ian uh, wrote, but it I you I wanted you to write. I wanted you to do some stand-up, but then in the first chapter you said that was not a side job I was interested it's in. It's something uh, I flirt with in my imagination. You know, I write things yeah. down. I used to write for stand-ups a long time ago. Uh-huh. It's fun to do, but I have too much respect for stand-ups, and that to do that kind of work, you know, mm-hmm. to me there's a pantheon of exceptional stand-ups, but there's so much mediocre comedy going on. Everybody's got five minutes of I'm this or that material, and suddenly right. being a stand-up is something people want to be, as opposed to, I look at them and go, are you angry? Yeah. Uh, are you funny angry? Are you getting something out? Is this coming from your soul, or is it just coming from your head? Right. Where you just, it all seems very playful, and there's not much depth to it. So I think that world has gotten invaded by too many people wanting to do it. Right, right. Well, I would just—I'm just gonna say—if you do stand up, I will be the first one in the crowd because I think you're hilarious. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, every time I flirt with the idea, uh, as a few years ago, I went to—I think it was the Ice House in Pasadena—because I had a meeting with a comic 
mm-hmm. who was on, and it was at one of those times, and I'm thinking, I wonder if I could do this, and you know, and he was the headliner. Mm-hmm. So I went to the audience, and I saw the first guy who came up, and he was hilarious. Oh, and really? I saw the middle okay. act. He was hilarious. Then the guy came to me, came up, and he blew everybody away. And I'm thinking, this is the guy who opened this show was better than I could hope to be in five years. Oh no! So and plus, you, you know, you need it. you need to take stage with that. You need to create uh, a persona for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be. I think you need to be real and communicate with a large group of people. I mean, it's hard enough if you tell a joke to one person, right? And they go, "Well, I don't get it." <laughs> tell it to three hundred. Yeah. I couldn't imagine, but every comic, you know, you who talks about the experience talks about the night they ate it. Right. Worst of all, early in their career, you know, that's got to be soul killing. Right. So you've got to want it, just like with any other discipline, you know, with acting, mm-hmm. writing. You've got to want it so bad. It has to be something you have to do. Right. And you want to do it every day. It's it's even more. Than, I think it's a compulsion. If you're not right. compelled. To go on stage, don't do it because that sort of insecurity and I'm just trying this out, audiences, no. In a second. So it's always been too daunting to to think about it, but I, I you know, in my imagination, I think about it, so I write stuff down. <laughs> yeah, well, and we, I appreciate even getting it from here, so. It's safer. I can yeah. do this. Nobody's, you know, not. I've gotten some bad reviews over the years, uh, you know, somebody, Takes it out of you on you know on Amazon or on Audible because I recorded a few books mm-hmm. um, in my particular accent, which is not you know not Patrick Stewart, <laughs> so I couldn't afford him. But I couldn't imagine getting up there and facing an audience, right? And until I think you know you've got the guts to do that, don't do it. Right. Well, I, we appreciate that you do it in the way you do, because you had me laughing so many oh, times. Thank it's you. Just it's, in the kitchen. It's, like, safe, it's much safer that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we love it. Um, so getting back to the book, mm-hmm. uh, you say the old South mentality should die. How I do wish, you think that's going to happen? The, you know, not the actual people, because I right. don't wish yeah. on oh, anybody, yeah. but, you know, the old South is not going to rise again, and if it wanted to, I don't think it'd get his fat ass off the couch. <laughs> but people have to let this go. I mean, this whole thing about these statues, which weren't erected post-Civil War, they were erected in the 20s, mm-hmm. you know, when a different when the KKK was on the rise and the John Birch Society, they were put up to make a point. We don't right. need statues in public <clears throat> to understand our own history. Put it in a museum, put it in context. They don't mm-hmm. have statues of Hitler all over Germany. Right. You know, they seem to be able to remember what happened there without the actual statues. Yeah. You don't need them. You know, uh, Nikki Haley, when she was governor of South Carolina, she took the Confederate flag down from the state house only after nine people got killed in church. So it does take those, you know, a shift in the country. Mm-hmm. Or some horrible event to get people to wake up and realize maybe <clears throat> this flag or these statues are ge- are legitimizing it. If they're in public, if it's a flag waving on the state house or a statue in a park, maybe that adds legitimacy to the ideas behind it. You know, much in the same way, I think Trump's early rallies when they were on uninterrupted gave a legitimacy to what he was doing that I think helped him win. Right. Um, and then you also say um, people only unite in war, tragedy, and Super Bowl. Yeah. 
<laughs> so only a few things bring us together. Yeah, <laughs> and it just seems like it's just those three. Nine Eleven, yes. Yes. You know, we dropped our partisan differences, and Bush got up there with the megaphone. You know, mm-hmm. and I give him credit. He he did a good job that day, but you know, it was kind of political t-ball. Right. If you can't bring people together on the ruins of two smoldering buildings after all those people died, then get out of the business. Exactly. You know, but at least the guy, I, I give him credit. In that moment, I would hate to think, well, yeah, I don't have to imagine it. We've seen it. We just had a tragedy in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. You know, not just that young woman died, but two cops in helicopters who were, you know, working to keep the peace. Didn't hear two words about it. You know, this, not, this guy's not going to get up in public and sing Amazing Grace. Right. You know, and I was glad that that woman's mother said, I'm not shaking your hand. You're not making any political capital off of me. I mean, she and her husband, you know, I watched that and it's like, how noble can you get? I don't think I could do it. I could not be that noble in that situation. I'm not as good a person. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's just a a weird world right now. And you wake up every day and there's new news and you can't believe. Yeah, it's strange. It's like, uh, lately, I can't listen to music. I can't read fiction. I'm in no mood. It's just, I have to... You know, it's like there's a monster in the house and yeah. you can't just sit down and have a meal waiting mm-hmm. to see what's going to happen. Right. So it is all consuming. So he's united a lot of people in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm looking down the road. 2018, take back the house. 2020, get rid of this guy. Right. You know, will he still be around? Who knows? Yeah. You know, I'm looking at Mitt Romney, who's suddenly tweeting an awful lot and makes me wonder, is he going to primary him? Right. You know, is Ben Sass going to do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jeff Flake obviously wrote that book because he's trying to get some credibility because that's what they all do. Right. You know, you the first thing you do when you're going to run for for office or presidency especially is you write that book. Right. You know, which And you usually, put America in the title. Exactly. You know, America for an American America. Whatever right. it is, you just repeat the word <laughs> over and over. You know, to show that you're patriotic and old school and you love the flag and and the rest of it. It's just your little calling card. Right. Well, I, I saw you said that in the book, and I was, I was going to ask you if we're ever going to see you on a ballot. Me? No. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd ever survive the oppo research. Yeah. You know, they'd probably get me in round one. So, and I, and I couldn't lie. You know, did yeah, you? Right. Did, all right. Yeah. Okay, but, fine. You got uh, me. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I don't do them anymore, but I've, I've done a lot of drugs, and you know, <laughs> here's the truth. I enjoyed them when I did them. Yeah. Uh, people don't do it because it feels lousy. <laughs> uh, I've tried doing it now. I got my pot card, went to his store, uh, and took uh, like a quarter of something, which I said, give me the weakest shit you've got. And I took a quarter of something, and it put me in a coma for 12 hours. So it's like, <laughs> I'm not ready for this stuff. Well, hey, maybe that's what the office is looking for now, because we we got got an interesting guy in there right now so yeah he could uh, he maybe could, that makes you relatable he could uh, you know take a few hits or something you know, right both he doesn't smoke and doesn't drink guy needs a drink yeah or something yeah um so i was going to ask you um i i, I guess oh 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 about the bomb shelter sorry that's what i was going to get to yeah have you started building one uh, not yet. Uh, <laughs> just not in the mood to dig up the kids' playground. Right. So I'm right. not ready for that. And you know what? If they drop it, just go ahead and drop it. I'm not going to run. And, you know, what yeah. kind of world are we living in if uh, post-apocalypse, you know, right. won't be able to do much? Yeah. You know, 
I don't know where, you know, movie theaters won't be open, nobody will be making movies, so what's the point? Right. Well, and that's, that, I think, is the scariest thing for me, just hearing how serious it's getting. You know, there's been a tradition coming out of that country where they just shoot their mouths off, uh, mouths off and, and see what reaction they'll get. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we haven't gotten into a shooting war with them yet, though obviously they've improved their technology. Mm-hmm. You, you know, this is the last person on earth I trust to handle those negotiations. Right. Well, and some people were praising him for being a little bit, you know, meaner. But then some people were said that's a bad idea. So yeah, that, I mean that's the public show. Who cares what he toilet tweets in the morning? Right. It's you know we have a guy who wakes up, goes to the can, and gets out his phone, and his thumbs get to work, and he plays. I know you are, but what am I? I mean, what world are we living in? Right. Real negotiations take place behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, among diplomats, mm-hmm. and it's basically all right. What do you want? Right. Let's solve that. You know, but uh, again. We used to have this thing called MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction, with us and the Russians. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted to die, you know, for all the trash talk. Right. Now you don't know how crazy, you know, how crazy is either of these guys. Right. Yeah, it's certainly a scary, scary world that we're living in. Um, so, but I will say at the end of the book, we got some optimism. Yeah. Which the, I liked. Yeah, I, you know, I got it from Hunter Thompson. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, reading his book and knowing how he lived his life, I was sort of surprised because I felt that this guy at heart was a patriot mm-hmm. and praised democracy and just said we have to keep it out of the hands of greedy little hustlers like Richard Nixon. Right. You know, you substitute Donald Trump for Richard Nixon, it's the same sentiment. So mm-hmm. it, <clears throat> it's ultimately a self fulfilling choice. You need to have optimism because you need that to fight and know that, you know, you can erase this mistake. Mm-hmm. Although there will be residual effects. You know, the Supreme Court, we've returned to the uh, Scalia level, but if, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Anthony Kennedy gets a sneeze and it changes to 6 3, what's going to change? Woman's right to choose, where does that go? Mm-hmm. Uh, voted suppression cases coming from individual states, how do they rule? Right. Things could change for generations based on that. So, Trump's, the damage has already been done. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of stopping the bleeding. Right. And then, you know. And staying ca- sane. Closing the wound. Right, right. And healing. Right. And for us, you know, kind mm-hmm. of just staying cool. I know you talked about moderate Trump intake, which I think is genius. Yeah. Because, man, if you get, you can get sucked into that stuff. I've got wall-to-wall coverage all day long. I can do three or four hours a mm-hmm. day and I'll scan the news all day long. Yeah. Once I get what's going on, and if I see it for the third or fourth time where they're saying, here's the video from his, uh, you know, raging at the press at uh, Trump Tower, I can't watch it more than two or three times. Like, I don't want to see it again. But what, you know, what gets me about those moments is that a few people in the press have taken him on. You know, April Ryan once in the February press conference, she... She didn't get in his face. She was very polite, Mm -hmm. back and forth. Uh, Jim Acosta's taken some hits. Yeah, that guy Brian Karam, I think his name is, from Nevada, mm-hmm. went back and it was either Trump or one of his, you know, Sarah Sanders or it might have been Spicy when he was still around. Mm-hmm. What I wish they'd do is not participate in this. If you really want to show some balls, get up, turn around, walk out in mass and saying this is a farce and we're not going to play. Right. Because this, you're not getting any news out of this. There are mm-hmm. cameras there. If he says something idiotic like he did the other day, 
or say something criminally stupid or really hateful, <clears throat> the cameras will pick it up. Mm-hmm. There's no nuance to report. Why ask him a question? He's only going to give you one of his stock answers. You know, there's no point to it. Turn around and walk out. Right. Um, that's something I would like to see. I don't think it's going to happen. That's not how they see their jobs, and I understand that. Right. It's just me emotionally at home going... I want to know. Yeah, I need Don't take answers. that shit. Walk out. Yeah, right, right. Well, that, and that's, I think, I, I appreciate that they're, they're still in the room, because if not, I mean... Yeah. Crazy I mean, stuff. Yeah, they've, they've uh, shut them out at times. They've shut out right. the cameras. I mean, there was a great moment uh, between Dan Rather and Nixon years ago when Nixon took a shot at him. Mm-hmm. And it was something like, uh, are you running for something, Mr. Rather? And he just stood up and said, no, Mr. President, are you? And it might have been between his two terms. That's what they need to do. Right. You know, and it's nice to see Dan Rather still on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think I think everybody just doesn't know how to approach this guy. <laughs> you know, it's it's fine to go off on Twitter. You know, you go, you go on down your Twitter feed, you realize that we're still fighting the Civil War. It's just now on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone's in their own camps on Facebook. You know, so we preach to the choir in the morning, and it's good. It's cathartic. You get to, you know, fine, I'll get out my frustration. Can you believe what he said? And everybody agrees with everybody. And on Twitter, everybody's insulting everybody else. So, you know, we've got the Civil War going on with thumbs instead of muskets. Right, right. And hopefully no muskets ever get involved. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, I, I wish I could say that this thing in Virginia was... Was a one-off. It just doesn't feel that way, right? To me, he's emboldened these people. They've obviously got plans. I've heard talk about marches in different cities. Mm-hmm. You know, though I heard somebody. I think it was Tina Fey who was saying, "Just don't go. Right. Let them walk down the caverns and shout to the air or something like that." It's fine with me. Either yeah. that, or you know, buy a dozen eggs and go down there and just throw them and leave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Or yeah, just don't give them coverage, but. They will. It, they you will. Know, it's very easy to get coverage. Just mm-hmm. do something crazy. Then, you know, in some respects, I look back at those rallies. It was like the OJ Bronco chase and the OJ trial. You had to cover it wall to wall because if you didn't, people will watch it somewhere else. And they get their ratings. You know, not not one of those other what was it, sixteen candidates. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, they didn't stage rallies. Second of all, they couldn't pull that many people at their rallies. They didn't know how to promote. They didn't know how to sell themselves. They weren't branding experts mm-hmm. like this guy was but they didn't get that kind of coverage right. so they didn't get equalized at the time yeah you know now personally i wanted them all to lose <clears throat> but if i had to put up with any of them there were a few who were at least legitimate contenders so i look back at this election and go if you were really that pissed off and needed a republican you had some other ones to choose from why mm-hmm. choose the guy who's so blatantly clearly fundamentally indecent not like that, but dumb. Right. I mean, he's just a dumb human being. You know, he's a guy from Queens who wants to be approved by the people in Manhattan where he's settled, but he knows he's too stupid. He knows he can't handle himself in, a, himself in those conversations. But yet the little twisted part of him still courts the New York Times mm-hmm. and wants their approval because he wants them to validate him. You know, I think it was a New York Times reporter interviewed him some time ago describe them as a bottomless pit of need. And that's what we're dealing with, you know, which would be fine if he was some jackass at the end of a bar at 10 o'clock in the morning shooting his mouth off. Fine. Can't hurt anybody. But he's in the White House. You know, so I think, you know, 63 million people voted for him. 
So, you know, the way I put it in the book was I think we the people screwed ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, and now we've got to correct this mistake. I just hope Democrats understand how to do that because it doesn't feel to me like they do yet. They still think this is a war of ideas. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's a street fight. It's a war of emotions. And you need to not just play to your own people, but you need to convince his people that they were conned. They were tricked. Life's not better. You know, he's not making America great again. I'm not sure exactly when it was specifically so great. I don't know if he's pining for the 50s or the Reagan years. I'm not quite sure. He's obviously not specific. About but, anything. But he knows how to sell. I mean, I'll grant that. Democrats don't know how to fight, and they don't know how to sell. Mm -hmm. You know, I blame them early on during the uh, early, uh, when they rolled out the Affordable Care Act. They allowed themselves to have it branded as Obamacare because it was a political tactic. They never went out and sold it. They mm -hmm. never said, we're making health care more affordable for people of both parties. Yeah. So they allowed themselves to be branded. Somehow health care became something evil. Mm -hmm. Republicans tried to, what, 60 House votes? Which, you know, the, this idiot-in-chief now says they... <clears throat> For seven years, they screamed about repeal and replace. No, they didn't. They screamed about repeal. They just wanted to get rid of it. But now they're stuck because people like the fact that pre-existing conditions can be covered and that their kids can stay on their plans until they're 26. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so they realize if they try to get rid of all of it, they're going to suffer political blowback in the next election. So they're trying to finesse their way through to something that has the appearance of healthcare, they give it all these different names, bills that usually have the American healthcare recovery, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. um, they try to brand it as something new, but what they're trying to do is basically snatch away as much as humanly possible, right? And still have the aura of, you know, a healthcare plan. Mm -hmm. That's the game we're playing. Yeah, it's branding the the businessman at its <clears throat> at its yes. best. Those red hats were the hats were brilliant, you know, and the colors weren't accidental. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole chapter in Rise and Fall of the Third Reich about choosing that symbol and mm -hmm. being aware of the power of symbols and trying out different ones and seeing what worked. He's, you know, I hate to use the word genius because he's not, you know, I, want, I wouldn't sully that word mm -hmm. by giving it to what he does. But he's very, very good at branding. Right. And at convincing people that what they see right in front of them is not what they see at all. Right. Um, he just doesn't let up. He'll never mm -hmm. quit. You know, he knows he wants to win to me like a shark knows it wants to eat. That's what he'll do. And I don't know. I've seen <clears throat> some people write that when Comey gets, uh, not Comey, Mueller gets too close, he'll resign. Or when Mueller gets too close, he'll just play for time and then fire him however he can. Mm-hmm. And work from there because, again, he plays for time. Right. You know, he just has to kick the can down the road and maybe he'll find another out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, or a war and all of a sudden everybody's focused on something else <clears throat> and nobody cares about Russia. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, some say his people don't. He got in and we don't care how he got it. Right. Well, and it's, it's, it's just, it's concerning and people talk about, um, you know, having a president that you don't think has your best interest. You know, you don't think... Maybe he's not protecting all of us. You, you just don't get that feeling from him. You think he's protecting his own interests. Yeah, he's, you know, the guy is out for himself. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he has no worldview. He has no point of view. He's got no empathy, no compassion. You know, he knows he wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act because it was something that his predecessor put in place. And I think ever since he got publicly embarrassed at the 2011 correspondence dinner, he's mm -hmm. out for revenge. Right. You know, if you asked him, and this is something unfortunate that Hillary didn't do during the debates, and she could have, she could have just said, what is the Affordable Care Act and how does it work? You hate it so much, explain to people what it is, how it's changed the law. Don't just say it's a disaster because mm -hmm. that's, you know, he's got his few pet words and he creates the impression that he knows what he's talking about by using one little blanket word to cover everything. You know, the question she should have asked him during the debates is, can you name the three branches of government? Mm -hmm. That's when I wanted to see him. Uh, 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 and then she could have taken him apart at that right. time. That's, that's another time I was screaming at my television. Mm -hmm. She had him in what was basically a heavyweight fight on live TV with like 80 million people watching. She could have just taken him down with the knowledge she has. She should have showed, shown some guts, been tougher. But even when he was melting down, she just sort of laid back and went, well. Yeah. You know, as if his being unfit for the office intellectually, temperamentally, emotionally would be self-apparent. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. She needed to, you know, when he was down, she needed to punch him out. Right. And I think it might have even had some appeal for people who didn't like her, which they've been trained to do over the years. They would have looked at her and go, wow, smart, tough. You know, I may have been told that she's done some bad things. I've got this Benghazian email thing in my head, but damn, she took him out. Right. Why do you think she didn't do that? <clears throat> I, she was because I think... Worried about her perception? I don't know. Democrats have a way of thinking, again, that this is a debating society. So all she had to do was see him sputter, you know, you're the puppet, I'm the, you know, that business, mm -hmm. and just go, well, do I need to make my case? And I'm thinking, yeah, you need yeah, to. Please. You're, you know, you're an attorney. This is a closing argument. Close. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Make your argument. That guy is an idiot. That mm -hmm. guy is unfit for office. He said dumb things. He said racist things. He, has, he doesn't have your interest at heart. He doesn't have an economic plan which, again, neither did Democrats, so they screwed up on that score. They didn't go to the Rust Belt states, and she didn't say, I know you're suffering. Here's my plan for the future. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I get it. You know, and plus, well, let's be honest, uh, whatever you call it, charisma, what Chris Matthews called leg tingle, mm -hmm. he's got it, she doesn't. You know, I think there were two things that they could have done that might have given him a better shot. Uh, one would have been to choose Bernie Sanders as her running mate. If they came out behind that curtain hand in hand, you would have gotten a roar from that crowd, excited the base. Mm -hmm. There would have been some leg tingle at that. The other strategic thing I think she should have done was choose Sherrod Brown as her running mate, which is something I'd written in, in an earlier book, and that was six months before the election. Mm -hmm. The guy's from Ohio. He doesn't have to put on that act with rolling his shirt sleeves up. He is that guy. Right. He can talk to those people, and he knows how. Mm -hmm. That would have been the smarter choice. Right. You know, she's intelligent. She's experienced. You know, she should have said to this guy, I've spent 40 years in public service. You've spent your lifetime in private service. Name one thing you've done for another human being that didn't involve a phony charity, a con, a bribe, 
go ahead. She should have gone on the attack. And I don't care what the questions were at the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One thing he understood, you take stage. You know, I don't care who was asking what question. I don't care what the topic was. Right. Get there, force the topic, force him into a position where he would sputter and just reveal his inner ignorance. Mm-hmm. That would have taken him down in the eyes of the people who were counting on him as their Superman. Would have right. been his kryptonite. Right. You know, so I just, I sat home and screamed at my television, wrote some articles along the way, you know, like yeah. the day after I'd wrote, I've been writing, well, I wrote for Harvard and Post for a few years, mm-hmm. and then for this website, attention.com, and that night, you know, I wrote some emails back and forth, uh, the guy who runs it, you know, and it was, what do you think? And I re- at the time, I wrote, I think she missed a shot. Mm-hmm. I think it was during the second debate. Okay. You know, but then when you look at, how it started when he brought out Trump brought out all those women mm-hmm. you know Bill Clinton's exes and all for a press conference you have you had to look at that and go man this there's no bottom here no there's no bottom he wants to win and will do anything he has to to do that you have to understand that that's who you're fighting mm-hmm. you don't have to become dirty but if it's if the fight's in the mud you gotta get in the mud right you know then you can crawl out right um you know, clean yourself off and go back to who you are. But I mm-hmm. don't think they knew that then, and I'm afraid they don't know that now. Right. From what I see. Mm-hmm. Well, and you'd think that they would know that by now, but... Well, uh, a few weeks ago, it was, it was Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and, mm-hmm. a, you know, five, I don't know, a bunch of other Democrats... I think they were outside the Capitol announcing some new platform, like a better... Better wages, better this, better that. Yeah. And it's like the sound quality was bad. The optics were bad. They were parched and reaching for, for water. It was the most anemic thing I'd ever seen. And I'm saying, well, holy shit, if this is the way you people are going to fight, we're all in trouble. Because the guy who's there now got in with rallies with thousands of people and TV coverage and make America great again. And what, and what are they saying? Uh, you know, it's like, is it going to be great? And it's, well, you know, it, it'll be better. No. Right. This is not how you fight the person you need to fight. Mm-hmm. So I, it's it's got to be some con- You need to use his, his own tactics. You need people with some, whatever you call it, charisma, leg tingle, excitement. Yeah. yeah. To excite not just, you know, people all the way on the progressive side, but in the middle and maybe Republican, you know, centrist. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would do, just from a strategic point of view, get a center-left you know, Democrat and a center-right Republican put them together and outflank, outflank the son of a bitch. Give people who hate this guy a choice. Right. You know, call it return to reason. Call it take the country back. I don't care. Mm, I like that. Do it. It's brand good. it. You know, now, of course, progressive will flip out. Right. Because, you know, you're selling out the base and that's not the future and this is a teachable moment. You know, and we should, you know, we'll get universal health care. Well, you can't get it if you don't have enough people in Congress to vote for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I philosophically am in complete agreement with Bernie Sanders. Yeah, single payer health care makes perfect sense. Everybody lives, everybody dies. We all get Social Security, we all get Medicare, these programs work. That's what should be. I don't know how he was going to get that through a Congress that obstructed the previous president for eight years. Mm-hmm. They weren't in a mood to play. They weren't going to play. Right, right. So, you know, I hear lofty thoughts. I just don't hear, I don't see a good battle plan. And this is going to be nasty. Yeah. Well, 
speaking of it, it getting nastier, do, is there another book we can look forward to? I don't know. I don't know don't if know. I don't know if I've got another one in me. <laughs> I, I'm still, you know, the scream from this one is still ringing out. So now yeah. it's just talking about it. Right. Um, not haven't been able to write much. I'm not sure what context to put it. Maybe when we get a little closer mm-hmm. to either 2018 or 2020, you know, it's not. It's not quite a decision to write a book. It's like I was saying with stand-up, acting, whatever it is. If you're not compelled to do it. Right. I mean, after the election, you know, I wrote in this coffee shop in the Valley. I just screamed at my screen for six, seven months because I felt I had to. Right. Not for any greater purpose for my own sanity. I didn't know where to put it. Right. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess it's possible. Okay. Well, that's good to hear because yeah. I'd love to read it. Um Okay, so kind of tying it all up, sure. we have you quoted Anne Frank in your in the end of the book um, that in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. Do you still think that's true? Uh, which people? <laughs> I'm not sure. Human, yeah. human beings, yeah, I want to think so, but I put it in the context of, you know, this is the optimist go-to because if, right. if she can write that people are good, well, then under these circumstances, of course, you have to think that. I'd like to think that, mm-hmm. you know. I'll choose to think it, uh, but again, which people? Right, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to mention? No, just this is where we are. This Keep is where we are. Keep your head down, you know, Yeah. fight and, you know, vote. Because the only way to get rid of this guy and the people he's dragged in with him is to vote them out. You right. Know? So uh, it's it can be very sexy to yell and scream, you know, about resistance and rallies and all that but if you don't vote vote and thing you know he wins again and things i guarantee they'll get uglier before they get nicer right and i think that was one of the biggest mistakes we made going into this election people assumed oh of course she'll win yes well, maybe i don't have to worry about it maybe i don't have to go out and vote yeah you know i like he's not bad but I, you know they don't love her not gonna vote kind of thing yeah. i think totally yeah was I, a big issue i heard that a lot america you know i hate him but i really can't stand her so mm-hmm. i'll go jill stein or i'll stay home right you know or do something else well it didn't work out so well yeah so and you know democrats are notorious for not turning out in midterm elections mm-hmm. if they don't it, I don't know that they'll turn out spontaneously. Obviously, some will be motivated based on what's happening. But if the Democrats aren't working in every single, you know, state, and especially those states that, you know, Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, North Carolina, if they're not working there to get people out to vote and fighting every voter suppression effort, we'll be doomed again. Right, right. Awesome. Well, not awesome, not, but, yeah. but we're Can't really be. happy to have your insight. Um, again, this was Ian Gervitz. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. It's always fun. Where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter? On Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. I think it's just at iGervitz. I forget okay. my handle. But uh, yeah, I indulge once in a while, you know, but the book's on Amazon and Kindle and uh, you know I'll see whether there's another one in me I don't know see if I'm around by then oh, we're looking forward to it awesome <laughs> and you. I'm Teague Dewey Panko thanks so much for joining us you can find me at Teague DP and thanks so much for hanging out with Book Circle Online thanks guys from managing editor Jason Squamata executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek and Kevin Undergaro we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online 
For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle. <laughs>